Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, November the 14th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going in-depth on Bill's Dolphins. We'll preview the game on Sunday and give you a prediction for the final score. Plus, the Senior Bowl invite list is out, the first round anyway. We'll comb through that. Plus, I saw some Dolphins tweets late Tuesday night that need some correcting, and I'll tell you why coaching, not management, has been the issue for this team for far too long. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can find me on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL, voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at LockedOnFins. We'll follow you back and check out LockedOnDolphins.com the number one blog in the entire Locked On Network. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Some news to start the podcast on this Thursday. The Dolphins have designated their second player to return from injured reserve. And I saw some folks asking about Robert Kimdiche. Kimdiche and Cordrea Tankersley were PUP members, which means they could be activated at any time as long as it's not before week six. The PUP is for players that entered training camp injured. The IR is for guys that got hurt after training camp started. And that was Andrew Van Ginkle. And the rookie linebacker is now going to make his return to the Dolphins. I don't think he'll play on Sunday but he'll be activated for return from the injured reserve. So he and Julian Davenport coming back soon. That means no Jonathan Ledbetter, the rookie defensive end who was promising throughout training camp, the preseason, and week one of the NFL season. Van Ginkle was a very good scheme fit in this defense, both as a rush linebacker and finding his spots in zone coverage and the back end of the defense. I think he will have a big impact on this team going forward and be a prominent part of the rotation next season. Other news, Rashad Jones has a cracked rib. That's why he's been out for so long, but it sounds like he will play on Sunday. And I wonder what that means for Eric Rowe, who's been a better version of Rashad Jones in that strong safety role. That'll be an interesting decision for Brian Flores and staff. Okay, let's talk about this game Sunday. In Miami, the Buffalo Bills 6-3 and three come to the 2-7 and seven Dolphins. The Dolphins are only giving six points in this game, and that's the first point that I want to make because we go back just four games ago, less than a month ago, the Dolphins were visiting Buffalo, and they were 17-point underdogs. Now, Vegas will always give three points to the home team, so in this instance, they're considering Buffalo a nine-point team better than Miami, whereas the game in Buffalo, they were only a 14-point team better than Miami. So now, Vegas thinks the Dolphins are five points better than they were just one month ago. And this comes after losing star cornerback Xavier Howard, who's the best player on the team, promising rookie receiver in Preston Williams, and the top two rushers in the Kenyon Drake trade and the Mark Walton suspension. Just another feather in the cap of Brian Flores, who continues to preach this disciplined, smart, tough player message that has really made his team and his locker room resilient to the nth degree. And this is a big game for both these teams because the Buffalo Bills 
Bills still have road dates in Dallas, Pittsburgh, and New England, and home games against the Ravens, Broncos, and the Stige. The Dolphins, on the other hand, their schedule gets much easier with road games in Cleveland and both the New York teams, who are disasters, and then home games against the underwhelming Eagles and the horrible Bengals. So if the Bills lose this game, their season might be over. If the Dolphins win, we could be looking at a four or five, maybe even a six win team this season. And if that happens, Brian Flores has to be factored into the coach of the year discussion, but we'll put that on ice until the Dolphins actually do pull off the win over the Buffalo Bills. The Bills offensive scheme, you should know what it looks like by now. Brian Dayball was here in Miami back in 2011. His offense ranks 25th in total offense, 24th in passing, 12th in rushing, and 25th in scoring. But their offense has struggled against this Dolphins scheme twice now, going back to the September game against Bill Belichick and the Patriots, where they scored just 10 points in that one. And Brian Flores' Dolphins had the Bills to just 9 points after 3 quarters before all hell broke loose with the Preston Williams fumble and the returned onside kick for a touchdown. Dayball's biggest claim to fame this year has been his red zone offense. Buffalo ranks number 3 in red zone conversion rate in terms of touchdowns. And outside the red zone, look for Buffalo to stretch the field both vertically and horizontally using play-action deep shots and mesh concepts, which helps allow the speed on that offense to develop those longer developing routes into the scheme. As far as the players on offense, it always starts with the quarterback. And Josh Allen, although he's playing better this year, still has a long way to go. He went for 230 yards on the ground in two games last year against Miami. His season high this year is just 46 yards, including 32 yards against Miami in the October matchup. His completion percentage has climbed about 8 percentage points, but it's still under 60% from last year. His main target is John Brown. His lowest output this year was four catches for 51 yards, so he's been very consistent and not just a one-trick deep shot pony, a legitimate number one receiver in this Buffalo offense. He has four touchdowns. Two of those came on the ground. The Bills are going to use 11 personnel right in line with league average. They use it 63% of the time. The NFL uses it 60% of the time. They come in under league average in 12 personnel, two tight ends, but well over league average in 21 personnel, meaning plenty of two back sets with Devin Singletary and Frank Gore, but also Patrick DeMarco, their fullback who played 16% of the snaps on on Sunday in Buffalo. On the other side of the ball, that's where the Bills really get things done, and Sean McDermott's defense ranks number three overall this year, third against the pass, 21st against the run, and third in points allowed. They get it done with effort. They absolutely fly to the ball. They love to bait and trap their coverage concepts on the back end, and they're going to blitz relentlessly. 32.4% of their, their plays on defense result in a blitz. That's 11th most in football, but it remains largely ineffective rushing the passer as Buffalo's 21.1% pressure rate and 6.3% quarterback knockdown rate both rank 24th in the NFL in those pressure metrics. The Bills also have 75 missed tackles this year. That's fifth most in the NFL. That's going to be a focal point for the Dolphins in this game in getting the football out on the perimeter and creating opportunities for some of the elusive pass catchers in this offense. I don't think going vertical is going to be much of an option at all. The Dolphins only have two plays over 40 yards this season and only four more plays over 30 yards. So six plays in total over 30 yards. And Buffalo has not allowed a 100 yard receiver and the Dolphins haven't put a pass catcher over the century mark either. I expect Tredavious White to lock down Devontae Parker in this game. That's the name of his game and Tremaine Edmonds is the go-to guy in the middle of their defense. He never leaves the field. He ranks 29th among all linebackers on pro football focus. Tremaine Edmonds is long. He disrupts passing lanes and makes a handful of plays every game against the run. 
On the back end with Tredavious White, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer ranked 12th and 15th respectively, according to Pro Football Focus. They only have six picks this year, but I feel like they're due for a big game in that department. And lastly, Jordan Phillips. You guys all know him. He is playing a lot more right now, and his six sacks are tied for the league lead among all defensive tackles in the NFL. I'll tell you guys about the opportunities, the concerns in this game. We'll predict a final score, as well as tell you about the Senior Bowl list that is officially out now. And we'll also talk about management versus coaching and where the Dolphins have gone wrong. Plenty more to come on this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But first, can't find a workout that keeps you engaged? Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout from the convenience of your own home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started today. And attention for all you guys out there looking to make some cash this holiday season. Past, present, and future MyBookie players. During Thanksgiving week, MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game, the early kickoff. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got some extra holiday spending cash. If you lose, congratulations as well because MyBookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy, baby. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up for MyBookie today. Just log on to MyBookie.ag, make your first deposit with promo code Locked On, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of the risk-free bet. If you find yourself wanting to bet sports but have too many questions, do not sweat it. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process, and the best part is, if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only, so if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team. Go finish and hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie where you play you win you get paid We're going to jump right back into the game preview here and talk about the concerns, the opportunities, and predict the score of the game. But first, I wanted to visit some Twitter action that I saw late on Tuesday night. And really, I think that Jesse Pinkman sums it up best for me right here. You can't keep getting away with it! You can't keep getting away with it! And we're going to go ahead and just go down some of these tweets and correct them for you guys here. Like this one, for instance, that calls out the coaching staff for not using Chandler Cox more. Asking the question, do you know a fullback can catch a pass on a play action? And then using that reason to say the coaching staff has done a poor job this year. But when you watch Chandler Cox on tape, like you heard on the podcast yesterday, he's been terrible. He hasn't done anything well. He's not lead blocking. If they had the option to get the ball to him in the flat and they thought it was a reasonable option, they would do it. Trust me. 
And here's the other one that really stuck in my craw. Raekwon has been a pleasant surprise, and it's proof these coaches don't really know their talent. He's playing better, but is still a two-down, one-dimensional linebacker. He needs to add another dimension to his game, either coverage or blitzing. So how is that an indictment on the coaching staff when they know he doesn't do those things well? You can't just add those to your game. There's no store where you go pick up some coverage or blitzing skills and just put it in your cart and it's there. He doesn't do those things well. He's best going forward playing the run, and this coaching staff recognizes that and they're putting him in position to do those things well just like with Mike Gesicki not asking him to stay in the block I can't fathom how that's an indictment on the coaching staff when the complete opposite of that is true and that it's praise for the coaching staff that they're using these guys to their skill sets and what they do well and taking the things they don't do well off the table completely it's just very frustrating to me to read this stuff and it gets perpetuated out there to tens of thousands of Dolphins fans had to get it off my chest. But with that, let's go ahead and jump back here into the game preview. I talked about the Dolphins' strengths and weaknesses in this game coming into a matchup with the 6-3 and three Buffalo Bills. And we talked about some of the struggles of the Bills and where the Dolphins have opportunities in this game is to go ahead and force the Bills into long yardage situations where they can then send that pass rush and that blitz packages and just tee off on Josh Allen. And they also can drop guys into coverage and confuse the quarterback because he's not the kind of guy that's going to pick apart your zone coverage either. 21st and third down offense. I think that's Miami's biggest opportunity. And then also Albert Wilson. This is going to be the game for him to really break through. I think, I think Tredavious White locks down Devontae Parker because he's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. The bills don't tackle all that well. So look for Albert Wilson to catch some passes short and make some plays after the catch and also have a chance to get vertical. He and Jakeem Grant, I think Wilson and Grant are the keys to victory. The concerns for Miami, it always starts with turnovers, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick. His interception down around the end zone in the last meeting was basically the turning point of this game. And with only six picks on the year for the Buffalo Bills, I think Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, and Micah Hyde are chomping at the bit to get some more picks off Ryan Fitzpatrick. And if you give Dayball a short field, they cash those things in just like they did last time when Preston Williams set them up inside the 20-yard line with that fumble. The projected outcome for me here is this game's going to go back and forth through three quarters, just like it did up in Buffalo, exchanging blows, some big plays here, some three and outs, some big explosive offensive plays for either side. I think it's going to be a close game up until the fourth quarter, and then there will be one or two plays that changes the tide of the game, and I'm going to predict that Buffalo is the one that gets that. I'm going Buffalo 22, Dolphins 16. They push the spread. The five-game streak of covering the spreads over for Miami, and the two-game winning streak also ends here for the Finns. And with that, since we're talking about losing games and getting to next year's NFL draft, the Senior Bowl have produced a list of players that have accepted invites to the game in Mobile, Alabama in January, and hopefully your boy's going to be there scouting these guys for himself. But let's go ahead and go down this list here real quick and just point some names out that I think could be on Miami's watch list. And of course, several of these guys I haven't heard of yet because several of them play at small schools, like for instance, Kyle Duggar of Lenore Rhine. What the hell is that? He's a football player, apparently. But every year at the Senior Bowl, we get players that come out of nowhere, like last year, for instance. And maybe he wasn't out of nowhere for the very in-the-know draft community, but the kid from Delaware... 
Nasir Adderley. And watching these guys in one-on-one drills is just so much fun to see how they move, how they tick, how they compete against fellow athletes of their caliber. And that's really where I fell in love with Terrell Hanks, the Dolphins practice squad linebacker out of New Mexico, because that dude could flat out fly. He was sticking people with big pops every single day in practice. Hitting is allowed in these practices, and it's a lot of fun to watch. So we're going to go down the list right here. Louisiana Lafayette guard Robert Hunt, Vanderbilt receiver Kalaja Lipscomb, California linebacker Evan Weaver, and that's where we take our first detour here on the list because I've seen plenty of Evan Weaver. He basically is the linebacker from Remember the Titans, the big tall white guy. He looks the exact same, he moves the exact same, and he plays at a dominant level every single Saturday out here in the Pac-12. Smart, instinctive player who's one of the most sure tacklers in the entire nation, and I'd be surprised if Miami wasn't intrigued by him, even though he's somewhat limited athletically. That guy is such a sound tackler and smart, instinctive leader that I think he's right up Brian Flores' alley. Also from Cal, safety Ashton Davis, South Carolina State tackle Alex Taylor, Vanderbilt tight end Jared Pinckney, Vanderbilt running back Keyshawn Vaughn, Southern Illinois safety Jeremy Chin, Florida Atlantic tight end Harrison Bryant, Colorado linebacker Davion Taylor, Lenore Ryan safety Kyle Duggar. Again, what the hell is that? Purdue tight end Bryson Hopkins. That's another dude that'll be on Miami's watch list as he can do a little bit of both in terms of flexing out and being a receiver like Mike Kosicki. He can play in line and block that way. He had some drop issues early in the season, but I think he's kind of kind of climbed out of that. And I think he's going to be on Miami's radar at the tight end position. Liberty receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden. I've heard great things about that kid, but of course, I have not seen a single Liberty game this year. Clemson safety Kayvon Wallace. Oklahoma State linebacker Carter Coughlin. Minnesota linebacker Kamal Martin. North Carolina State defensive tackle Laurel Merchinson, St. John's offensive lineman, they have a football program, Ben Barch, Arizona State receiver Brandon Ayuk, and this dude can flat go. He's a great scheme fit for the Miami Dolphins playing inside as a slot receiver. He's built compactly. He has great hands and fantastic lateral agility. He can uncover quickly, kind of in the same mold of a Julian Edelman, but he's way better after the catch as well. A dynamite runner after the catch. South Carolina defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw. You've probably seen him play. That dude is flat out dominant and he plays with power, with speed, a very high motor. He'll be high on the Dolphins' interior defensive line watch list. Texas Tech lineman Terrence Steele, Georgia Southern cornerback Kendall Villador, Mississippi State safety Brian Cole, Dayton tight end Adam Troutman. Shout out to Kevin Dern out there. He was a Dayton alum. USC receiver Michael Pittman Jr., another one of these fantastic receivers in an absolutely loaded class. Keep an eye on him out here in the Pac-12 the rest of the season. Kansas lineman Hakeem Adenji, I hope I got that right. West Virginia offensive lineman Colton McKivitz. Houston lineman Josh Jones, I've heard great things about him. His flexibility, ability to drop the pad level and kind of sink into his blocks and anchor. Keep an eye on him throughout the rest of the season and in Mobile. Texas Tech linebacker Jordan Brooks. South Carolina receiver Brian Edwards and defensive end DJ Wanham from South Carolina also. Michigan safety Josh Metellus, North Carolina defensive lineman Jason Strobridge, Kentucky offensive lineman Logan Stenberg, Michigan linebacker Josh Uche, Michigan guard Ben Brederson, he'll be drafted high I think. 
Auburn offensive line, Prince Tega Wanago. I think that's how I say it, but I'm not quite sure. I have heard his name mentioned in plenty of scouting circles. Got a good look at him in the LSU game. He played well there, I thought. So he'll be a big boy drafted early as well. Texas receiver Devin Duvernay, TCU cornerback Jeff Gladney. He'll be a guy the Dolphins are in on because of his smooth feet and hips and the ability to glide in and out of different coverage looks. Auburn defensive end Marlon Davidson, Florida DN Jonathan Grenard. Hope I said that right. Texas safety Brandon Jones, Oklahoma defensive tackle Neville Gallimore, Florida running back LaMichael P. Ryan, a big time producer at Florida, the kind of back I think the Dolphins will like as a bell cow type of producer in the middle of the draft. Also Florida defensive line Jabari Zuninga, that dude is an elite level pass rusher who also plays the run very well. Texas receiver Colin Johnson, Connecticut offensive lineman Matt Piart, Tennessee defensive end Daryl Taylor, Miami defensive tackle Traven Hill. Maybe you guys can tell me about him. Clemson offensive lineman, there's two of them, Tremaine Antrum and John Simpson. Utah has a pair of players, a linebacker and safety. The safety is Julian Blackman. And I know Fran Duffy, the Eagles do it all type of video and podcast guy. He's a great film analyst analyst and draft coverage guy. Linebacker Francis Bernard was right up his alley from Utah and Notre Dame safety Jalen Elliott. So this senior bowl list, it's not even close to being full yet. I'm sure we'll get quarterbacks on this list soon, like Joe Burrow, for instance. But I've heard from different scouting circles that this might be the best senior bowl they've ever had. It's one of my favorite weeks of the season or of the year, I should say. And those of you that are new to the podcast, I go super in-depth on these practices. It basically takes over the Lockdown Dolphins podcast all week long because I think you can find out a lot about these guys and the way they improve in their practices throughout the week, the way they produce against similar talent of their level and those practices, one-on-one situations, team drills. You get a sense for who the best leaders are out there. But again, hopefully I'll be there in Mobile this year to scout this in person for you guys. But before we do that, we have a whole season to get to and a whole third segment to get to on this podcast. And before we get into that third segment, I want to tell you guys about my bookies. Big Thanksgiving week promotion. Use your football knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. Use promo code locked on and my bookie will match 50% of your first deposit. The big news across the NFL on Wednesday was that Colin Kaepernick, of all people, has been invited back to play in the National Football League. Apparently, the blackballing has ended. Will anybody scoop him up off the free agent wire? We'll see what happens there, but the Dolphins will, in fact, be in attendance for Colin Kaepernick's workout Saturday in Atlanta. And one of the funny things about this workout is that Every single free agent workout in season occurs on Tuesdays because that's the team day off. That's when coaches and GMs and everybody on the organization is available. But the NFL, for some reason, wanted to keep Kaepernick's workout on a Saturday. That just really smacks of... I don't know, I guess, exclusionary ideas as far as what the quarterback is given here in the National Football League. But he will work out on Saturday in Atlanta and the Dolphins will be there. But now I want to talk about an article, one of two articles today up on LockedOnDolphins.com written by yours truly. I had school off on Wednesday, so I had all day to work on football stuff. Good for me, I know. It's titled Brian Flores, The Solution to Miami's Two-Decade-Long Problem. And basically what I'm doing is exploring past acquisitions from the general manager and the front office and everybody involved, which I want to go ahead and make this point first. When we assign certain acquisitions or moves to one individual, I just want everybody to know 
that you're doing it wrong because there's a collaboration across all teams in the National Football League. You have 30 scouts per team. You got a, man, a general manager, an assistant general manager. You got directors of pro personnel and directors of college scouting. You have the owner. You have 20 some coaches. To put it all on one guy is really kind of, it's kind of ridiculous because it's a collaboration, especially under Brian Flores, who wants his team, which is just full of championship pedigree, to come to these conclusions together. And so that's the first part of that. The second part is is that Miami has actually brought in a lot of good talent over the years. They just haven't developed these players. We start in the article talking about the guys that are getting their best production from their careers right now under Brian Flores. And it's not just exclusive to undrafted free agents and street free agents and practice squad guys that I've talked about all season long having an impact on this team. You've got three guys who were former top 50 picks who are having career years under Brian Flores and his staff. Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, and Raekwon McMillan all doing more within their own framework of their capabilities to excel in the NFL, and it's working for them. And there's no better way to get back to prominence than to get high-level talent like those guys and develop them into household names across the league. But it's not limited to those types of players either because you're going to have to have good depth in this league to excel and succeed. That's true for any team. And the Dolphins are building that. And we start with Vince Beagle, who, of course, we've talked about it on the podcast 8,000 times now, was acquired for Kiko Alonso, who basically is an NFL backup at this stage of his career. And Vince Beagle's pass rush productivity is in the top 10 at his position from an efficiency standpoint. So he might be one of the guys that jumps into that marquee level name. But Nick Needham, an undrafted free agent who played in Conference USA last year, he's holding his own against NFL receivers. Jamal Wiltz was a practice squad player. He, Ryan Lewis, Ken Crawley, Ken Webster all got here in season and they've contributed in the defensive backfield for Miami. John Jenkins, a cut down day acquisition. All he's done is lead Miami in pro football focus grade. And of course, Eric Rowe, a reclamation project, a one year $3.5 million contract back in March. He's now playing safety and doing a bang up job at it at that. So we talk about the guys that have developed this year under Miami and the other part of the article, the second part goes back and looks at the players that have been here in the past and were traded away for basically pennies on the dollar and went elsewhere and had success. And I went back to 2012 when Joe Philbin first got here. I thought going back any longer than that might make this thing too long. It's a good start with a new coaching staff there. So we go to that part and Brandon Marshall is the first guy. He was an all pro type of player in Chicago the very next year. He had a 1,508 yard season with 11 touchdowns and those 11 touchdowns topped his two year total of nine TDs with the Dolphins. Basically the only two years out of his prime that weren't great were in Miami. Vontae Davis got traded that year too and the infamous grandma call will never be forgotten but Vontae got the last laugh on that. He played in two Pro Bowls with the Colts and had 12 picks over the first three seasons in Indianapolis. 2013, Carlos Dansby was cut to make room for Donnell Ellerby. Dansby's first year with the Cardinals, he had 19 pass breakups, four interceptions, two for touchdowns, 12 TFLs, and had the second highest sack total of his career with six and a half. Sean Smith was also sent off that year, although he walked away in free agency. In 2014, he was PFF's sixth highest graded cornerback, and he only signed a three-year deal for 18 million bucks. Not that crazy expensive. Also, by the way, Vontae Davis that year was the second highest PFF graded cornerback. So the second and sixth highest graded cornerbacks were both on Miami's roster just two years prior to that. Tony McDaniel, now he got to Miami via a conditional draft pick in 2009, but then when he left Miami after he built himself from a nobody into a valuable rotational piece, he goes to Seattle and has an approximate value, a stat from Pro Football Reference 
reference that kind of tracks your entire value to a team. He had AVs of nine and seven and made 94 tackles those two years. That's 12 more tackles than his four-year total with Miami, where he never had an AV higher than three. 2014, Nolan Carroll, kind of the bottom end of the barrel here, but he went to Philadelphia on a two-year, $5 million contract. He started 27 games for them in two seasons and played okay. He would have been a nice depth piece for this roster at $5 bucks for two years. That's way more than affordable. 2015, didn't really have any notable losses. Mike Wallace, Brian Hartline, Charles Clay, and Randy Starks never had jumps in production in their post-Miami careers, but 2016 saw Miami lose Olivier Vernon, who had his best year of his career the year after that in New York. Lamar Miller never really materialized into the star back. Some folks thought he might be, but it's a tip of the cap to the scouting staff for getting a good running back in the fourth round. Rashard Matthews was a seventh round draft pick. His first year in Tennessee, he had career highs with 945 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. And Billy Turner, a left tackle at North Dakota State, was bounced across all four positions besides center on this offensive line. He got cut after that one and four start. He went to the Broncos, played okay enough okay I should say to get a contract from the Packers this year four years 28 million dollars 2017 no real notable departures 2018 and Dominican Sue and Mike Pouncey both left and then we get to 2019 where it's still too early to write the book on Laramie Tunzel and Minka Fitzpatrick but you consider who those guys were drafted by that was Chris Greer and his crew right So he gets credit for those draft picks. Of course, you have to dock him for trading them away. But where the Dolphins got a second round pick for for Vontae Davis and two third round picks for Brandon Marshall, they got three first round picks and a second round pick for Tunzel and Fitzpatrick. So you have to consider the value coming back that way. The entire idea is that the Dolphins have had no problem adding talent to this roster. They've just never been able to make it materialize and turn it into the best versions of themselves like Brian Flores has done now with a solid 10 to 12 players on this roster. You develop players, whether it's low-end guys to provide depth or top-end guys to be household superstar names. That's the name of the game. That's what the Dolphins have in Brian Flores. And if they can continue to do that, they'll be a consistently sustained success. Say that five times fast in no time. All right, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We'll come back tomorrow with a mailbag edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Check out those two articles, the preview up on LockedOnDolphins.com as well as the Brian Flores article. But as for now, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday. Enjoy the Browns beating the Steelers tonight. Hopefully, we'll be back tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. You better put up the